0: Yeah, we can record it and then um, they can choose whatever they like. (laughs)
1: Sounds good to me.
0: (laughs) Hello, my name's Shabina Aslam. I'm creative engagement producer with Northern Broadside's theatre company, And welcome to The Northern Voice. In this episode, we'll be looking at South Asian identity and theatre in the North. Today I've got with me Sajda Shabir, currently an associate producer for Commonwealth Theatre, Bradford-born and based, interested in uh, working with communities, specifically South Asian communities. Um, She's a director, recently produced a photographic Project called Sisterhood, which we'll hear more about. And she's also active with Speakers Corner, which I'm also excited to hear more about. Anjum Malik is a poet, scriptwriter, performer, and filmmaker, currently a senior lecturer in creative writing at Manchester Metropolitan University. She writes regularly for the BBC plus other independent companies. She has um, worked as a police officer, interpreter salesperson, business owner, and classical Indian Kathak dancer. Born in Saudi Arabia of Pakistani heritage, lived in Pakistan, as well as several cities in the UK, currently based in Manchester. Abdul Shayek um, has a very long CV, and currently um, artistic director and CEO of Tara Arts one of the first theatre companies in Britain dealing with South Asian culture, heritage and identity. He was the founding artistic director and CEO of FIO. FIO is an international theatre company based in Cardiff and is the only Asian, black and ethnically diverse led theatre company in Wales. He's also worked for um, the National Theatre of Wales. He's been a Claw cultural leadership fellow And has worked variously at Contact Theatre, Theatre Royal Stratford East, Royal Shakespeare Company. He's also worked internationally across Europe, India, Sri Lanka, Japan, South Korea and Australia. So um, a wonderful panel, which I'm very excited to um, hear speak for themselves. So, Abdul, let's hear a bit more about you. um, Were you born and brought up in London?
2: No, I was born in Bangladesh. I came to the UK when I was three. So I was born in Sillet. Um, yeah, and then I was brought up in East London, um, uh, Newham. So initially Manor Park in Newham and then Stratford. And that's how I kind of came across the Theatre Royal Stratford East. Um, I was trying to avoid um, a work placement from school. Uh, to go to the vets and I was walking past Theatre Royal Stratford East and I thought oh what's this Um, so I decided to venture in and ask them what they did and um, the the guy said you know we tell stories and that kind of got me hooked and I was interested and so I ended up doing um, instead of two weeks six weeks work experience, um, work placement with them. So I spent my whole summer holidays there and that's kind of where it all started for me in terms of my journey into theatre. Um, um, I guess it's, you know, for me, theatre has always been, um, a way to challenge, um, the narrative that's there around kind of not just ethnicity, but also class in terms of the conversations, the stories that exist, um, Around everyday people, and what we, you know, we're often dictated to as to what we should hear and what we should listen to and what we should see. Uh, but actually, how do we change that is a really big question that I've been asking throughout my career. Um, it's really important to take theatre and the power of theatre and the power of storytelling into spaces um, where these things wouldn't go. So I think, you know, one of the bigger challenges at the moment for me is how do we get people into theatre? And that's a question that we're asking right across the sector. But I think there is also another really important question, which is how do you get theatre out to the people? Um, And so these are all things that we're really thinking about in terms of Tara and this new chapter in, in the, in the company's uh, history and story.
0: That was that was lovely. Thank you, Abdul. You know, it's really interesting. We had Matthew Zia on here recently, and he said the same origin story. He he got his first big break at Theatre Royal Stratford East. So Anjam, you were born
3: in the Holy Land. I was born in Saudi Arabia, yes. Before I say I just want to thank you. This is such a pleasure to be with other South Asian creatives because we don't have much of this. So this is such a treat for me. And just to hear Abdul talk and looking forward to Sajda talking, to have this space and just to hear what people are doing is so exciting. So I should be, yeah, I was born in Saudi Arabia. My mum and dad, my dad was working there. Uh, My mum went to join him when they got married. So how did you get into the arts? Oh, it was a very long winded way. (laughs) Because
0: <laughs> you were a policewoman, I remember that story.
3: Yeah, well, what happened was that I ended up in Bradford. We, we, we lived all over the place, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, even in London when we arrived in England. But then we moved to Yorkshire uh, because we had a, an auntie there. My mom wanted to be close to her sister. And we ended up in Bradford. And I really wanted to go into the arts. And I got a place at the art school at Bradford. And, and, and there was a new course starting to do with theatre. And I got a place I just walked in and said, please give me a place, you know, and they they agreed. Um, but my mum went ballistic and said there was no <laughs> way because I would end up taking drugs and hanging out with all. She was right. I was totally impressionable. And uh, I probably would have done all the things she said I would. Uh, <laughs> although I've never done anything like that, to be honest. Uh, but um, And she insisted I go to university and my dad, but I refused. And uh I didn't refuse. I just went and joined the police as an act of retaliation. When the police turned up at the door, mom and dad were like, What have you done? And I said, Oh, I've just joined the police force and they've come to check me out. And they were like, Oh my god, my mum was really horrified. I mean, she never forgave me for that. Um but um <laughs>
0: yeah, there was a, so you learnt a lot about life through all the different jobs you had and, and yeah, you put I that into your art, haven't you?
3: Yeah, I was a policewoman. And then I left them and I started selling insurance and pensions. Did very well at that. I did very well at everything I did. Um, I set up my own business. It became like a national company. Um, all the while I went, I, I, I never thought I'd be a writer, but I dreamt about being a visual artist. Uh, really, I wanted to be a printmaker. Maybe I'll do that still. But um, um, So I went to art school through my jobs, all my jobs, I would go um, every evening and weekends at an art school. And then I, and I also was writing poetry, but I thought I was writing a diary. Um, and so I just didn't know it, but then I, um, I started spending more and more time. Um, and then I went to work, um, help out the Asian Women's Writers' Collective, um, which was you know, quite an o- iconic group now. Um, my sister was with them as a writer, and uh, they needed some help with their business side. And as a businesswoman, they said, "Can you?" So I went to help them, and that's where it all began, really. That um, I um, <clears throat> I started sharing my poetry, and somebody booked me to read a poem and offered to pay me, and I was like, "Okay." And then the um, the Stratford East uh, connection, the first play I did was by accident with Keith Khan and Ali Zaidi. Amazing. Moti Roti Patli Junni. And before then we did Colours of Colours of Shawl. Yeah. um, God, I can't remember the name of the play. Uh, Because I love theatre. And Stratford East took it on for a month. And it went to Canada. But um, Bradford uh, didn't want to know. Because it had to go into the big theatre. Most big cities where we wanted to take it to the Asian cities the theatres didn't want to know in fact they were unbelievably exclusive and i found that experience really off-putting and decided i didn't want to know theater because you know they didn't want us they wanted us to do the play in the small theater there was no space for us in the big theatre. so i decided to do an m.a in script writing and go off and do screenwriting and you know drama on screen and radio um, but now it's so exciting. We have people like Abdul, we have Rifko. we have so many wonderful Asian theatres popping up that maybe I will now do that again.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you, Anjum. You know what strikes me is that um it reminds me of a conversation I was having with A.A. A. Dand, the uh, crime novelist um, based in Bradford. He said a lot of um, South Asian people Uh, working in the arts, come to the arts late in life because they go through lots of other careers first. Um, It's something to do with, it could be um, family, home, background. It could just be lack of self-confidence and ownership of the arts, a variety of things that we come to it late. And I think perhaps myself and Anjum are of that generation where we did come to it late. Uh, later, or well, we've been around it, but didn't feel in, confident enough till we were older. Unlike our next panelist, Sajda, who is a bright young thing and is grasping this mantle early. So, Sajda, can you tell a little bit about yourself and your journey in the arts?
4: Yeah. Um, first of all, it was really nice to hear you guys talk. Uh, it's so nice to know that there's people out there that are doing this stuff, and it's it's just so nice to connect. Um, but, I mean, compared to you guys, like, I'm like a little baby. Um, It all really started for me <laughs> when um Aww. I was younger. My dad used to bring home, like, these DVDs or, and we used to watch films like Mom Shantyom. And, like, I really used to just love watching them. And it made me feel like there was some sort of connection there. But I, I didn't know what it was, but I just kept watching them, watching them. And I used to go into school and then I used to make my friends recreate like these scenes from On Chantôme, and I was like, do this, do this, and it was just nice, and it was just, it felt so wow. good to recreate. And then I went off into school, and I just kind of forgot about all that. And then I remember, whilst I was doing my A levels, I like I was planning on going into uni and doing politics and international relations because everybody at school was like, you have to go to uni, like that's the next step. You can't, there's no other option, but. I loved I loved like politics and all that, but I knew that it wasn't something that would would be the thing for me. But then um, I started attending this collective called Speakers Corner in Bradford because my friends from school used to go there, and I used to be really jealous because every Wednesday they used to go, and I was like, they're having all this fun without me. So I just went out of jealousy, and I met these amazing people, and then um, I connected with three young, three like older women in Bradford who were running this space for free, and it was just it's a collective for young females, mostly South Asian, Muslim, to come and just be free. And it was a place where you could connect to other friends and you could talk about issues like relationships. You could talk about things like uni or work, or you can talk about things like moving out or staying at home. Um, And I felt like a connection there. And then um, Evie Manning, who is one of the members of that collective, she owns a theatre company called Commonwealth Theatre. And um, they opened up, a few posts for apprenticeships and at the same time I was I just got my results from um, I was actually doing my A-levels and then I applied to this apprenticeship post just because I knew these people and then it was results day and I got my results from my A-levels but I also had the apprenticeship in my hand and it was just such an obvious choice to just go for that because it was I had talked to them about my dreams and like what I used to do in my childhood with watching all these movies and feeling like I wanted to recreate it but I didn't know what it was I knew that I loved it, but I didn't know what I could do with it. And then I did this apprenticeship in 2019. And ever since then, I've just been in this creative bubble and it's just been so nice. And um, I've always, uh, I do still want to be a director, but I've fallen into producing, which is okay. But, you know, it's not what my end goal is, really.
0: Mm. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Sajta. So we'd like to hear more about all of your work shortly. So I just want to talk about the theme, South Asian identity and theatre in the North, for sure. But, you know, um, a long time ago, I wrote a paper about, um, it was called British South Asian theatre is an exploration of identity. And what I was arguing was that um the whole idea of being south asian was made up it's not a real thing it was made up as a response to racism so i wonder could you respond to that um uh, abdul
2: okay so there's there's a couple of things i've been thinking about this quite a lot recently um i, I think it within the mix we've also forgotten historically uh we were also black, politically black was a thing, and you know that was a really important moment in 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 the in the fight for equality and equity in in this country you know the idea that if you were not white, then you were other and the other was black um and you know uh and and in order for us to get to where we've got to um as minority groups, we had to work together. I think one of the the, the, the challenges at the moment is the fact that we are siloed and we have almost kind of splintered off. And I'm not sure how useful that is. I mean, I think the idea of identity is coming up a lot for me at the moment when I was younger. But equally, you know, I was in search of who I was in this space um, because I had this culture at home, which was... Uh, a blend of um, the kind of Indian or the South Asian or the kind of the Hindu culture that was traditionally in Bangladesh that sat alongside the Islamic traditions and cultures that had come along. And then obviously you had the Bengali in there as well, or the Bangladeshi culture that was there. So there was a fusion there already, uh, which we were untangling uh, as a community here Uh, and you know really simple things like you know weddings for example the fact that you wore red and actually islamically you're not supposed to wear red and that's slowly been untangled and shifted and changed Um, uh, things like touching people's feet that's a hindu tradition But we were doing it at the beginning when that community came over here. We were doing these things. But as time has gone, we found ways to kind of restructure, rethink that and go, look, is this part of this culture or not? So there was already a really interesting conversation that was happening there. And then on top of that, you had uh, this new culture that, you know, we were trying to engage with and connect with. And I guess we were a generation that felt racism, but not so overtly. It was there. And, you know, I, I've had moments where people have been overtly racist to me, but not the thing, not the way that people were being overtly racist to people uh, like my dad's generation who were the f- you know first to come over in the 60s and the 50s. Um, and then the people who really had to fight uh, for our rights in the 70s and the 80s. Um, so I think it's interesting because at that point, you know being south asian one wasn't that cool because there wasn't huge amounts of south asian in the mainstream that were doing really interesting things so therefore you were looking for other things in other places and thinking about what else is out there and so you fell into the youth culture which was connected to uh the the american kind of rap youth culture that was crossing over into the uk and therefore there was that kind of identifying with that rather than identifying with you know what you thought was your identity in many respects you were thinking well it's an amalgamation and this is this third culture that we can create which is about all of the things we're learning in this country things that we want to hold on to what we came what, what what we've had traditionally and then there's all of this other stuff that we're exposed to that we can borrow and use and explore and, and keep as we and, and, and I think we, we should hold on to South Asian as, as an identity because there is so much that connects us whether it's religion, whether it's culture, whether it's language, uh, whether it's films that we've seen, you know, Bollywood films, you know, there's those specific cultural references that we have that I think unite us. Um, But equally, we need to use that to also think about what the new stories are. Because I think the big challenge at the moment for the wider South Asian community is that the stories that have been told are very nostalgic They have been set in a particular time and a place and we haven't really moved on and explored the contemporary voices and stories.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you, Abdul. There's a lot for everybody else to respond to. Um, Are we stuck in uh, stereotypes and cliches on stage? Um, Are we stuck in nostalgia? Um, Do South Asians no longer care about diversity? So... Perhaps we could pick up on some of that as we find out what you think about the label, South Asian identity, Anjum.
3: Um, yeah, I think it's great, you know, to hear what you, I agree with all of what, Abdul, you've said. And, <clears throat> um, but adding to that, you know, just thinking about as a South Asian growing up in Bradford, um, when when I was um, 19, um, I didn't, I had... The Asian community telling me what I should be like, and I had the white community telling me what I should be like, and none of those appealed to me or to my family. And it caused tremendous problems for me because <clears throat> I was always like in trouble, you know, um, doing always the wrong thing because, you know, I married, I married, a uh, 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 fell in love with a Sikh man and married him. So <clears throat> we have paid heavily as a family. For being who we are, from our community, never mind the white community, which is equally aggressive. Because you know, I found Bradford quite racist from both sides. <clears throat> so out of that, I think looking back, uh, without realizing, the best thing I could do was to join the police, and nobody would mess with me, and they didn't. Um, as a scriptwriter, you know, um, and a poet, I think. Um, working, as a working writer, you know, where I get commissioned all the time, there are definitely gatekeepers and commissioners who will turn down my stories because they don't think, because they are not about an Asian woman getting murdered or about an arranged marriage. They definitely are not. I'm I'm like, Abdullah, I just don't want to hear those stories anymore. I want to, there are so many rich stories. So you know, uh, what I had, what I did do when I kept getting turned down was I set up this uh, umbrella, which was called Hidden Stories. And I started telling all those stories by raising funding and taking them into communities. And I've been really successful. I, I, we started off going, in, going into a community center with the first series of mini monologues in uh, Berry at 10 a.m. in the morning in a Polish center. And literally two or three hundred women turned up, Asian women filled the hall out, cried and laughed with us to all the stories we told them. And I've done that for like seven years now. And I've recently formed a company called Black Stories Matter to move this thing I'm doing forward, because I knew that people wanted to hear those stories. And so I tell them in libraries. I haven't stopped writing for theatre. I've just found another way where nobody can tell me what to do. I can do it myself. I think your question was about identity. I think identity is very, very important. Um, And I think because we're so multi-led and multi-faceted and also a lot of times seriously multi-talented, that is very difficult for people who are monolingual, monocultural. And uh, they just get afraid. You know, they're scared. They don't understand how we can do so many things at the same time. But, but it's usually out of necessity. It's the only way we've been able to survive. Thank you, Anjum.
0: Abdul, you wanted to pick up on something?
2: Uh, yeah, no, no. I was just going to t- uh, just say in, in, in response to Anjum, Um, one of the things that you get a lot in terms of the theatre and um, the wider creative sector, you know, uh, the, the idea of universal stories um, and how what I find really mind-boggling is the fact that Apparently, white writers can tell universal stories, but brown and black, black. writers can't tell universal exactly. stories. Even exactly. Even though they're the same themes, the same things that they want to talk about. We are all human beings and we all feel and have similar issues and, and are dealing with the same thing. And, you know, this whole idea that we can't write universal stories, therefore our stories won't land in the same way with a wider audience is is, is exactly. really problematic for exactly. me. Mm. and also it's the way it's marketed it's the way it's placed within the organization it's it's the way you know where it's it, if it's centered like they center all the other productions or the others it's all of that right it's the it's the semantics that sit around it it's the way that it's uh it's it's sold to the wider world if you sell it as oh it's a south asian story or it's a black story the inevitability is that then
3: only black people are going to come you, yeah. yeah
2: so it's all of those things and I think this idea of engaging and developing audiences and therefore we need to develop a South Asian audience we'll bring in a South Asian writer to write a piece that will bring them in but then there is nothing else done beyond that and I think you know organisations are aware of it and there is definitely work that will happen Hopefully, but anyway, I'm gonna. I know that Sajid. Then, sorry, yeah, back to you.
0: Yeah. So Sajid, um, so can I ask you how um your South Asian identity plays out for you in terms of your work?
4: Yeah, I mean, or
0: does it or doesn't it matter?
4: i being from Bradford. It when you're younger, it doesn't really matter because I feel like for me, I was in the safe bubble of just I was with people who look like me. We. We were similar our culture everything was the same even in school I grew up with girls who were South Asian and so you're not really you're not really ever really aware of being South Asian or you know having majority Pakistani Indian friends you're never really aware of it until you come out of that safe bubble and you come into the real world where you know you're sometimes the only South Asian person in the room and then it really matters to you and then you really start to think this is something that this is this I'm special and this is about me like I'm bringing in my experiences and like you said there's so much history my dad came here when he was nine so he has his experiences and you know I feel like when I walk into a room I carry that with me and I represent that but being within the arts um, it's it like for me having to establish what what my role was and what I wanted to achieve in the arts and why I wanted to tell South Asian stories was important to establish earlier on because I didn't just want to be drifting around in the arts and just doing anything or any project. I wanted to do projects and I wanted to tell stories that were meaningful. And that's why the Sisterhood project that I just did, which was a photography project, um, and we worked with a South we worked with a South Asian team of um artist director Nisha Champanaria and Vivek Vidolia. And we we told the story of Speaker's Corner and the girls and the females behind it. And we wanted to champion that. And we wanted to celebrate us being South Asian, but also Bradfordians and Muslim and girls and women. And for me, like having that opportunity to use the medium of photography and to showcase us was something that was the start of like what I want to achieve in the arts, which is telling our stories, but finding different ways of doing it. But obviously, I don't really have lots of experience like you guys, but I really do hope to like, tell stories that people can relate to and that we don't just have to walk into a theatre and watch a story or hear someone tell us about some arranged marriage and someone's journey. Not that we're we're not calling that experience invalid, but we want to see something that, you know, a couple of 19-year-olds or 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds can go into a theatre and enjoy and have a laugh and relate to it and not... Because in Bradford, there is this divide of young people and then the kind of the theater and like what is shown and what's seen as theater but i'm I understand that because obviously as a young person I didn't ever really go to the Alhambra to watch peter Pan so i don't I don't relate to it it's not my thing I don't want to watch it, but it's important that now we change that and that we have stories that young people young South Asian people can come and watch and that they relate to and that it's is something to do so
0: so such that. Your photography project, how, in what ways, other than the staff involved, in what ways did it showcase South Asian culture and identity? What was it about it that made it, if I would look at it, why would I think, oh, that's celebrating or exploring South Asian culture?
4: Well, visually, we added lots of elements of like our culture. So we used lots of dubattas, we used lots of gold jewellery, we used like... Um, pieces of sari we use this we use like different like pieces of clothes and jewelry to kind of visually show this out to kind of bring out our different identities and bring out the, who we are on the outside but then like place it was it was just like visually that's what we did to try and to say the message but then also the people so the girls us you could see like you know there's some of them, some of us wear headscarves. Some of us don't. So that kind of element, we kind of try to show the different South Asian elements of it.
0: There was also a very strong use of color yeah. in them. I thought.
4: Yeah, because yes. as within the South Asian community, like color, like we use vibrant colors. So we really like played with that. We we played with the color blue and red a lot because obviously red is associated with weddings. Blue is associated with weddings as well, and yellow. We really play, played around with that, yeah. Totally, I liked
0: um, the mixing of narratives within uh, the f- pictures. Like you would have typical Yorkshire scenes, yeah. but you would have brown women who were who had objects and colours which were uh, representing their heritage. Yeah. So it was an interesting way of framing British Bradford South Asian heritage.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Sounds amazing.
4: Yeah,
0: and so how would you use those ideas in maybe theatre? If you were going to tell a story with people acting it out, how might you use those ideas, Sajda?
4: So the idea of identity and kind of like coming to terms with balancing being a Bradfordian but also carrying this way of being Muslim but also South Asian. Um, right now I'm working on co-directing a play called Peaceophobia with the company that I work with that plays about uh, cars, Islam and Islamophobia but it, we're doing it with three guys and within the play they're exploring their identities as young uh, South Asian Muslim men in Bradford and that's a way of me trying to explore it but working with them and having the opportunity to have them on stage and tell their stories of their experiences of Islamophobia, their experiences of facing, you know, stereotypes from the police in Bradford, their experiences. Um, So that's one of the ways that we're currently doing it. So can you explain why you chose cars? Because Bradford, like in the media, is quite known for its car, its car culture. Um, And obviously in the media, you know, you hear stories about, these crashes of young you know these young boy races but obviously that's not what it's all about there's people here who spend money on their cars lots of money to like really do all these adjustments and I don't know I couldn't tell you what they do with it but it's a hobby so you know when you talk to them they're like why would we want to go around my car in a tree if we've spent day and night sweating over it so the whole point of the play is that we show like you know the media shows you three monsters three boys they've got beards they're muslim but they're just boys, you know, they have these hobbies, you know, they've got a personality and we're giving them a stage to just showcase themselves without having to say, Hey, I'm not a terrorist, hey, I'm not the label that you put on me. I'm just a guy who likes cars and I like to spend my money on it. Yeah.
0: Totally. I mean, um where I live, um, in Bradford Nine, um, the car insurance is like nearly five times as high as where the white people live. So I have a friend who lives in the white area. She pays like £200 a year for her insurance, whereas where I live, it comes to nearly £1,500. So there's a penalty for being a car owner in Bradford and Brown, Brown while driving costs (laughs) more money. Right. And also just to add to that where I live, there's a massive police station at the top of the hill. It's like a fortress looking down on us all. And then on the outskirts of the, of the area, we're surrounded by speed cameras. (laughs) So, uh, so it's really interesting the way that we're policed and observed around cars, particularly. So that's fantastic that cars are being used here as yeah. um, as an object, but also as a storytelling vehicle. So how will it play out? What will we? What might we see at the performance, Sajda?
4: So with Commonwealth, we don't do it in a theatre. We do it in sites. So we're doing this show in a car park. Um, and we'll just have three cars parked and you'll just hear guys talking but there'll be sorts of visual kind of like intrusions into the space because we're trying to create the feel of this is the guy's world but you know this this element of poison is coming in which is Islamophobia, political like, and these labels are coming into them so... We're creating the safe haven for them and the boys are inviting you into their world and their mind and their world of cars and their passion and you hear them talk but then you also see what the outside world comes and does to them and how that affects them and you see a very vulnerable side to them, which we don't always see, you know, some a bunch of South Asian guys talking about their feelings, talking about how they're dealing with their demons and how it is to battle with anxiety, battle with the battle we have this internal battle all the time and deal with society, but Yeah, so visually it's quite exciting. We're still figuring it all out, but it will be in a car park and it will be a very immersive show so people can walk around the car and see what it's like and the cars will come to life as well and they'll act as these bodies of, you know, images of their brain and what it's like to, you know, it's just going to be fun. That's all I know. That's
0: That's beautiful. Thank you, Sajda. Abdul? That was amazing.
2: What cars are they? (laughs)
4: So <laughs> that's have... the
2: question I wanna know. <laughs> I'm in cheat.
4: We have um Oh my god, what's you know, if we've got a really classic car. Audi? Everybody drives Audi's no, no. in Bradford. <laughs> one of the Not guys has a golf and one of the other guys he has a suit. Do you know what
2: shape? Oh, okay. A Supra. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, it's a like thing. What, what colour? Yeah. Um, what shape? What golf is it? <laughs> it got, what are the uh, I had a golf like? when I was younger. I know they go into
4: yeah, lots of detail about like the history of the golf and then like mm. the, talking about how it relates to you know Bradford at the time as well. But I don't you. I don't know nothing about cars. I I don't know anything. Uh, cool. Don't
2: talk to me about it. I don't know. So it's, it's all right. I was just uh, intrigued. Cars. Yeah, cars are a thing. And it's yes. you know it's not just. Asian, you know, it's not South Asian boys who love their cars. Like, yeah. every, but it's a thing, right? They make it a thing.
5: Yeah. yeah. Every, you
2: know, yeah. I know lots of people who love their cars and soup them up. and
5: Yeah.
2: Amazing Same here, things. When I
3: was younger, I, I don't anymore, but I spent a fortune on cars. I drove all the best cars. <laughs> I spent all my money on cars and I had them all souped up and I got stopped all the time. You know, after I left the police because they just didn't believe I owned this car. (laughs) And they'd stop me and check me all the time around London and Surrey where I lived.
0: So, Abdul, I just want to ask you um, about um, taking over Tara Arts, which was one of the first South Asian theatre companies in Britain and uh, led by the venerable um, Jathinda Verma so that's pretty daunting taking over from dithinda uh taking over from a founding father of an <laughs> iconic theater company uh, who who established you know who their first questions around theater were how do we show south asian heritage on stage and they tried different languages tried to uh, you know they invented this Binglish style um They tried to, through themes and they toured internationally. So what's it like taking over and what are your plans?
2: Um, let me start with, I mean, you know, I, I guess first and foremost, really excited to, um, take over the company, just, uh, for all of the reasons that you've just said, you know, an organization that, you know, the conversation is, uh, taking a different shape and, um, I think for me, one of the big things with the organization is returning it back to that political activist space that it came from. Yeah, it's really important. Um, of course, looking at the world through a South Asian lens, but the broader South Asian lens there is so that we can really capture the nuances um, and the, 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 the differences that exist within what we term as South Asia and, um, but equally capturing the kind of things that connect us. Uh, and then beyond just South Asia, you know, we want to be a home uh, for a range of different people and different, different communities, but absolutely kind of, you know, platforming uh, presenting stories, which have a South Asian connection is really, really important. We want to create work where we uh, work with younger creatives. Um, so, the, 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 there's lots going on and lots in the pipeline. Uh, and we, 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 we are relaunching the company at the end of May. So look out for that. Uh, we will have a new uh, brand um, and a new website. Um, uh, yeah. And, and there's another little surprise. It's not that big, but uh, yeah, it will be there. Um, and then the, I guess the other thing for me at the heart of all of this is, uh, the The semantics that sit within our sector. You know, we've heard a lot about reset and rest- restart and how our sector isn't working.
0: Uh, well, that's really exciting. Thank you, Abdul. Anjam, could you please tell me more about what you're doing at the moment? I know I heard that you did this amazing thing about Mother Jaffrey.
3: Yes, yes. We, uh, I mean, I write a lot about food. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big foodie. So I write a lot of food poems. Uh, I've been doing it for quite a long time. Um, and over the last few years, I've been adapting cookbooks, I like, into drama. And uh, <laughs> so I did Claudia Rodin uh, two years ago. And then recently I did Mother Jeffrey, which was for BBC Radio Drama. Um, and um, uh, her first article about her um, um, acting in the New York Times was called The Actor Who, Actress Who Can Cook. And uh, and it's really interesting her story because she's you know talking about being South Asian, talking about people who hold the control to give you the breaks. But Madhu Jaffrey, I think, has this regret because she should be really high up as a South Asian. You know, the uh, you know she won the biggest one of the biggest acting awards. Um, she's always been acting, but she's known more as a cook. And I believe that as Asians, if we turn up with a plate of pakoras everybody will open the door and let us in with a bit of chutney but if we say oh I've got this story <laughs> they're like no no nobody wants to hear that but I'll have that pakora thank you have you got any samosas <laughs> as well now working on a um on, it's like a big national uh project radio drama doing where a lot of writers I can't remember how many of us are putting in a 15 minute drama and it's like a little a click like a little snap of wherever you want to talk about and mine is actually based in Bradford, believe it or not. Can I can I mention because I'm also doing um, through Black Stories Matter. I work with specific groups, so I'm I've made a film uh, working with refugees and asylum seekers and new arrivals. I've made a couple of poetry films, and I've uh, pulled together a publication of work as well, which we're going to be launching soon. Um, as I as and when I've got the company sort sort of up and running. With, I'm trying to do all the work I do on my own and the university and then set this company up.
0: What about you? What are your plans for the future? Are you going to go to university? Are you going to (laughs) continue learning through experience? What are you going to do?
4: Right now, I don't think I'm going to go to uni. I feel like I've established lots of networks and connections and I really want to work on those. Um, although I don't I'm not going to rule out university forever it might be something I do in the future but right now I feel like I'm so connected within the city I don't want to lose these contacts and I want to carry on like working with whoever I meet to make some sort of magic and hopefully in the future I do start working on my directing career a lot more but I'm just seeing it as when and whenever those opportunities come I'll do it but Recently, I worked with Leeds Playhouse to help them direct A Christmas Carol, but it was just an assistant director role, but it was a step into that kind of world of directing. But hopefully from there, I'll get a lot more opportunities to work with people who are making really cool South Asian stories. Um, But yeah, I'm just continuing, I'm planning to stay in Bradford for as long as I can, but I don't know what life will throw at me. I was just going to say just uh, to uh, to finish off cuz this has been beautiful. Thank you everybody
0: so Thank much you. for being here today. Nice, nice. Thank, Thank to you. Me.
2: Thank you so Lovely much. For
1: you having all. Us. Hello. I am Millie Gaston. In this segment, I'll be chatting to artists across an array of disciplines from writers to performers backstage and anything in between about their experience of working in theatre. I would love to welcome Afshan D'Souza-Lodi, a queer Muslim writer from Manchester. Born in Dubai, Afshan has spent most of her life in Manchester. She is a writer of plays and poetry and has most recently worked for Channel 4 creating the short film An Act of Terror. She has also worked for the BBC creating a radio play Chop Chop. Afshan has edited many anthologies and has an essay featured in the critically acclaimed book It's Not About the Burqa*. Her most recent play, Santi and Naz, described as tender yet sharply political, puts female friendship against the backdrop of the partition of India and Pakistan. Her work has been described as unflinchingly frank as she intersects faith, sexuality and gender. Avshan, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, how are you Thanks doing? Thanks for having
5: me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, it's very early on a Sunday morning that we're recording <laughs> this. so
5: <laughs> um, It's quite nice and calm outside, actually. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm glad it's Sunday morning.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was your journey to becoming a writer?
5: Wow. I get asked this question a lot. And every time I get asked it, I give a different answer. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what comes out today. <laughs> Um, I feel like I um, I unlock a new memory every time um, I have a conversation with somebody. Um, for me, my journey with writing began when I was really young, nine, ten years old, uh, and I was applying to um, grammar schools and I had to take in a piece of uh, a project or something that I was working on. And I took this book of poetry that I'd written Um in like a nineteen, I don't know, nineteen ninety six diary, because we didn't have like notebooks back then; they're really expensive, and we didn't want to do that. So I had to cross out all the the months and the dates and, and other poetry into that. And it was really badly written, lots of rhyming, lots of stuff with my teachers, um and I still have it somewhere in the house, which is which is quite fun. Um, and then I sort of stopped writing for a while until. I got to my mid-teens, and I applied for some commissions as a as a young person. Worked with Great Manchester Police Authority, which was um, weird, uh, considering now that I'm quite anti-police and quite critical of um, prevent strategy, which is what I was working on at the time when I was fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, and I entered a competition at the Royal Exchange, which was a Muslim playwriting competition and my play got through and it was rehearsed reading on stage and that was really where my first writing came to life um, on stage so that was quite fun Um, and then since that just kind of snowballed and I kept applying to commissions working with a lovely publisher called Adam Lowe who's based in Manchester and yeah I haven't really stopped since then.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. Can you uh, tell something that you're most proud
5: of and a challenge you have overcome? Oh my God, there's so many challenges I've overcome. Um, I guess in terms of like my writing wise, what I'm most proud of is what I'm currently working on with my co writer Rana Mir. We're um, currently developing a TV series for Sky. Um, So it's really exciting to be working on something quite real, something quite like fun. It's like high concept Um, and it's nice to create, given that we're, we're stuck in lockdown right now and can't do much else. And I guess in terms of the most challenging has probably been like the past year. I launched my debut poetry collection um in June um, during lockdown, which was difficult given that I, I couldn't perform publicly. So I made this book event in a box um, and tried to sell that instead as a way of engaging people with. Um, or getting people to engage in my work without kind of having to log into zoom because zooms are great you know for work meetings but i struggle to do events so that for me was really challenging because it was a completely new side of my creativity that i had to link in with um but it was fun at the same time
1: okay your work has been described as a challenge to the western white straight male mm. lens What has been your experience of engaging with Western straight male assumptions, both as a maker and as somebody from the South Asian community?
5: So it's really funny, right? My I guess there's two kinds of audiences that I get when it comes to like white audiences. You get one which are like the allies that get it. Um, and they'll laugh and they'll love it and they almost like there's a slight like tone of exoticism in some of the conversations I have with them right but it's like it's cool because they'll commission me to do stuff and then you have like the really hostile white audience that doesn't really know what I'm doing on stage doesn't really get it and they're shocked by the idea of like firstly a woman in a queer space or like just a brown woman talking about something that isn't you know Islam or if I talk about sex for example that's like difficult. and um, and with both those audiences it's quite fun because with the allies, you know you've got an in with them and you can play um and you're on a similar line with them and with the people that are hostile, it's almost like a challenge. So I make it like my point to be like, okay, I'm gonna get that white man in the corner to laugh. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna make that woman over there feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> um and you know, the my work is my work and people will take it how they take it. So part of me is less concerned with their gaze, and that's part of my work is for me to make work for not the white gaze, um, knowing that majority of the audiences will be white. Um, So, you know, my collection of poetry, for example, is very South Asian. Um, And a lot of the poetry that I do when I perform, particularly in white spaces, will be about challenging whiteness and challenging the white gaze and challenging straightness or um, the sort of like heteronormativity of society right now. Because I feel like those are the conversations that we need to be having in spaces that don't, are hostile to it, because um, that's how we get change.
1: Yeah. Just kind of going on from that, what stories and characters do you want to see on stage to represent the wider and contemporary British South Asian culture?
5: Oh my God, so many. There's no one um, story. I just want to see like, I want people to sit in the audience. I want my mum to sit in the audience and go, oh my God, I know that person. That person's like my friend over here. Um, I want it to be accessible to people that particularly theatre, I want it to be accessible to people that will walk down the road and can just walk in and watch theatre, which is what it used to be. I don't need people, I hate this idea that people have to have read, you know, a particular play in order to understand it on stage, because that defeats the whole point of it. So I make, you know, people that I want to see on stage are my friends, my frenemies, the people that I meet online, people that I meet in person, you know, my neighbours, the very life stories that I'm involved in Um, and because I'm self-centered I want to see myself on stage (laughs) in that sense but I also want to see I want I want that feeling of my friends seeing themselves on stage and kind of recognizing that I want to see my mum see herself on stage and kind of recognize that and learn from it because it's only when you see a reflection of yourself that you learn about what it is you're doing and we're as a society there's certain parts of us and particularly people of color and women of color that aren't represented although represented in a specific way can only then better themselves in a specific way because those are the only representations they're seeing. So I'm really interested in the ordinary person doing extraordinary things.
1: That was so articulately and beautifully positive. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I actually lived in Manchester for three years and I'm sure you'll agree that Manchester has a thriving artistic community. Oh yeah. Do you feel that Manchester's theatrical community supports South Asian artists?
5: Well, Um, Manchester is, has this DIY culture, right? So we don't wait around for institutions to give us a commission or work with us. We just go, we're just going to do it ourselves. So we will book a theatre, we'll book a space, we'll book a venue, we'll get our friends in to do script and hand readings, we'll apply for Arts Council applications and funding and and just do it. Um, And I feel like that's the culture that I've luckily grown up in. So... And I, and, I, and I preface this question with that because um, my experience of Manchester theatres hasn't been as warm, perhaps, um, as it has been for other people. And I've noticed a trend of theatres in Manchester working with artists not based in Manchester, particularly in London, from Leeds, from elsewhere, from Sheffield. And I'm like, it's really great and it's lovely to see other artists uh, perform and have their work on, and write plays, and engage with theatres in Manchester. But the fact is that there's there's Manchester writers that I know, and myself is one of them. But like I'm a tiny person compared to like the amount of writers in Manchester that aren't getting work in Manchester, um, and we're not getting work in London because we're not known in London. So I feel like regardless of being South Asian, regardless of being a woman, you know, the whole problem I think that we're having right now is that Manchester writers are not being promoted or engaged with in the same way with Manchester theatres. That's the first level. The second aspect is that like South Asian art is, it seemed to be quite specific. There's a burden of representation that's often put on artists that they have to bring in their audiences. I remember performing at a theatre once um, during Ramadan. So like, first of all, it's like, no one's going to be, I wasn't supposed to be, I was supposed to be like at home fasting, but I wasn't, I was doing the show. And, um, and the AD of, of the theatre, the venue, said to me, um, oh, I'm really surprised that a lot of South Asian people didn't turn up. And I was like, well, it's Ramadan. What did you expect? She was like, did you not ask your friends and family to come? And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Am I supposed to be marketing my own shows now? Like, that's not. And, and it's that assumption that then it comes with it, that if you're working with a theatre, that you're the audience development part of it. Um audio development as in like they you know when you apply for arts council you have to submit we're going to get x amount of audiences that are diverse and x amount that are going to be women and x amount that are going to be young people and it almost feels like by engaging with me theaters like a great option is going to come in so she'll bring you know 30 percent bme people therefore it's a tick box exercise but like it's so warped and complex it's not yeah So that was a complicated answer to say that I feel like it's a really fraught relationship. I think things are changing. Um, I think things are changing because of the DIY culture. I think people are just doing stuff. Um, People are just starting their own companies, um, booking venues and doing things right now. And the last year has shown us a lot where we've not had those venues that are supposedly, supposedly supposed to be supporting us. And what we've had instead is... Still a thriving community of artists in Manchester, a thriving community of South Asian artists or South Asian women making stuff and collaborating with people. And I think that's that's how we are going to continue going, regardless of whether or not the venues give us commissions or engage with us on any level. I love the venues, you know, yeah. commission me, but like mm-hmm. they, there's a there's a tension, I think, still that exists in Manchester. I think it comes from the top. I think the change in theatre will not come from commissioning one artist or two artists a year during South Asian Heritage Month or Black History Month. That's not where it's going to happen. The change has to come from the programmers, from the people making the decisions, from the people running the companies. Um, that's where we get the change filtering through, because it's only when you see yourself reflected in the building that, first of all, you feel you feel comfortable enough to come in. Right. That AD, for example, that made a comment about me not bringing in my friends and family to the theatre to see my show. If she'd worked with other South Asian people, she'd worked with other Muslims, she'd have clocked that. OK, first of all, it's Ramadan. So like maybe we'll change our season, like so that it's not affected by Ramadan. So it's not in the evenings during fast time or we'll break it so that people can open their fast and or, you know, make some sort of consideration. Considering it was, I'm not going to name the theatre, in a very heavily South Asian populated area so for them to not have even clocked on that it's ramadan that people are fasting i just thought was a bit like i I questioned everything about them but if you had like one south asian person or a couple of south asian people that are muslim or people that understand the intricacies of it even if you don't fast you still are within that culture you understand it you're able to say all right mate that's a bit you know maybe we should just move it like literally a week later or move it slightly earlier in the day, or slightly later in the day, um, so we can engage with an entire audience. But there was just no consideration. So it comes from the top, and, and that means unfortunately people have to give over power, and not give over power in oh we'll give you a season. I mean, give over power in they need to step down from their positions and let other people, let younger people, let black people, let women, let queer people take those positions up. Because otherwise, we're not gonna we're not gonna get any change whatsoever. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, this podcast has obviously been surrounded by the theme of South Asian identity. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think these questions are being asked enough or, or too much?
5: I think that they're being, it's less about whether the questions are being asked, and more about whether the work is being done. I think we've always been asking these questions. I've been in the arts working for like, writing theatre anyway, for like 10 years um, of, of different shapes and sizes. And I remember these conversations happening 10 years ago, right? The Muslim playwriting project that I was on when I was 16 years old. I'm now 29, you know, that was 13 years ago. And that was because there was an understanding that there aren't enough Muslim playwrights, there aren't enough South Asian playwrights um, out there. Um, And we're we're now at the stage where there's still South Asian uh, playwrights and Muslim playwrights out there. They're just not getting commissioned. They're just not getting main stage pieces. They're getting production pieces or they're having to, you know, concede and f- book a pub venue, you know, which might go against their morals or, you know, book a smaller venue somewhere else. So they can get their friends to do it. It's not, the questions have always been asked, right? And the solutions have always been here. The rights have always been here. It's just that people need to give over power and actually make that change. Um, they need to give over power to people. That's, Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you have had an inspiring and an incredibly successful career to date.
5: Thank you. What can
1: you say to young or early career South Asian artists who are thinking about entering into the arts?
5: Oh, collaborate, man. Collaborate all the way. Like collaboration, meeting people, going to writing groups, going to theatre groups. That's where you'll meet your people. Um like, if anything, this past year, I've been able to collaborate way more than I have before, and it's because I've got time. But it's the seeds have been sown 10 years ago. You know, my co-writer now, who I'm writing TV with, like, I met her at a writer's workshop in Tamasha. Uh, how many like twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen? We met, um, and we didn't really know each other very well. And then we worked on one project. Then we worked on Santi and Nas, that won an award. And then we were like, let's write some TV together, and let's just throw some random ideas and play around. And it's really fun. And had I not ventured out and gone to a workshop and made friends and networked in that way, I wouldn't be writing right now with her. Um, so I think collaboration is key. Get out there, and networking is such a horrible word to use, but go out and network, man, meet people, find your people, find the people that know what you, that want what you want and create stuff with them.
1: So what do you have lined up for the rest of 2021?
5: Oh my God, what do I have lined up for the rest of 2021? I've got two books coming out, not my books, but they're books that I'm in, um, a poetry collection um, and a book of essay, short stories. Um, One's by Speaking Volumes and one's by Three Cups Press. I'm working with um maz hedgehog who's a poet who's editing the three cups press it's amazing collection um of poetry i'm working in the us with georgetown university on a project which hopefully i'm going to try and we're doing sort of like an r d in september if we can travel to italy but that will be on for next year i'm attending desiree reynolds short story workshops at the moment um at comma press uh, they're really fun i'm working on a collection um, so I'm hoping to get those, that done, that finished. And then as usual, I've got like my gazillion plays that I need to get written and finished that I haven't even started yet or I've written, you know, the first 20 pages and then left. Um, and I can see my Scrivener app in the corner of my uh, my laptop just blinking at me <laughs> like, you haven't opened me in a week. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of what I've got planned so far. I mean, things come up all the time. I, You know, there's always a new project or a new... Collaboration um, on the horizon, so I'm, I'm looking forward to what what else is going to come forward this year.
1: Wow, that sounds really exciting! Thank um, you. I always end with a quote, um so I want to end with one of yours. Mm-hmm. This is taken from your essay featured in "It's Not About the Burka." Firstly, I just want to say it is beautifully honest and generous. So, thank you. Um, thank you. Your writing is such a gift, and I'm sure inspiring to so many.
5: Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> I'm done engaging in conversations with people who don't understand that human beings are complex, that I can wear a hijab and a dress, that I can be queer and Muslim, that I can exist. Thank such you. beautiful writing. So, yeah. Oh, yes, this I has can't. been such a lovely, um, lovely Sunday morning chat. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast.